It is a bowl spectacular edition of Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network alongside my great friend, co-host, longtime college football analyst there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, the one, the only Brent Beard. And first things first, Brent, I trust that you and yours had a very merry and safe Christmas holiday. We did. Uh, I was uh, local uh, and at home, and both both the daughters were in. Uh, I have one that lives in Atlanta, so uh, Atlanta would have been even colder than Jacksonville. So, uh, Travis, you know, anytime that we can be uh, in our own bed around Christmas season, that's a good thing, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. And you're right, man. That cold weather extended well through the state of Florida, really wrecked some travel plans for a lot of folks, unfortunately. We hope everyone was able to navigate that situation as well as could be done. But a lot of bull talk on this edition of Second Helping Brent. We've got a one and three start for the Southeastern Conference as we record this podcast. This is around midday on Thursday, the 29th. So, What we'll do is we'll get into some reaction involving Florida's lopsided loss. We kind of saw that one coming on our last podcast with the Gators very much incomplete from a roster perspective, a very motivated Oregon State team that it encountered out in Las Vegas. Missouri also falls in bowl action to Wake Forest down in Tampa, Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl, 27-17. Texas Tech on Wednesday night took care of Ole Miss 42 to 25, kind of a wild one out in Houston, like you might've expected. And boy, good thing, Arkansas, let's start right there because that's been the game of the bowl season to this point for the sec, Arkansas, very much in control there heading into the second half and really into the fourth quarter before it gives up Mm -hmm. a 25 point second half lead before holding on in overtime, Brent, 55 to 53 up in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. I thought KJ Jefferson played well, um, 19 to 29, 287. But boy, that, and we've said it all year, hadn't we, Trav? That hog defense allowing 544 yards passing and five touchdowns uh, to, to the Daniels kid from. Um, Kansas, my listen. My question, um, frankly, for both of us is: knowing Arkansas's psyche at this point, Trav, if they blow that lead of twenty-five points and they don't recover and lose that game, they're six and seven instead of seven and six. I wonder. I wonder just how difficult that off season would have been in Fayetteville. Yeah, I've been preaching patience with Sam Pittman. I've been yes. somewhat befuzzled uh, by the reaction by some Arkansas fans to the six and six record going into the bowl game. That being said, bowl games don't matter unless you blow a twenty five yeah. point lead and you lose. Really? And you said it, six and seven compared to seven and six. That feels like a two or three game difference as you head into an offseason, especially in the manner in which it looked like Arkansas 
might lose that game to Kansas. And you said it, both quarterbacks, very, very prolific through the year, although K.J. Jefferson got it done on the ground as well. 9.3 yards per carry for K.J. Jefferson. And you saw an injury to Rocket Sanders pretty early in that game, but some good running back depth for the Razorbacks as they roll up some impressive yardage, both on the ground and with K.J. through the air. Uh, opt-outs a part of this game from the Arkansas perspective, both where the transfer portal is concerned and also Drew Sanders uh, missing him at the linebacker position. Bumper pool wasn't able to go. So uh, to be fair, um, Catalan is in the, in the portal, right? Not that he was going to play in the game anyway, but uh, you had some pretty big absences there on the defensive side of the ball. And it, it definitely showed there in the second half. Boy, it did. And, And by the way, Kansas, the 544 yards, well, that broke the old record by one Tony Eason of Illinois in 1982. And Travis and I both are very cognizant of the fact that uh, back in the Liberty Bowl in 1982 was one Paul Bear Bryant's last football game um, in and Bryant had a lot to say about that pass defense, didn't he, Trav? After giving up 423 yards, but how how ironic was that in uh, a lot of ways? And, and Trav, I believe that 40-year anniversary of that game was either I, – I don't think it was last week. It may even be as – uh, like today would be the anniversary. So I, I thought that was a bit of irony, maybe, um, that uh, – Yeah, the way I remember that game is my 14th birthday back yes. in 1982. So I want to say it was a December the 27th game, uh, but I, I recall watching on television. I, it was one of the – remember Raycom, Mutual oh, yes. of Omaha? You know, those yes. were your bowl outlets – you know, that you would get over those sort of situations and networks. The old Astro Blue Bonnet game, Blue Bonnet Bowl in Houston on New Year's Eve was one of those games that I recall. But the Liberty Bowl uh, was certainly one as well. And absolutely, 40-year anniversary of Paul Bear Bryant's final game as head coach at the University of Alabama. Unfortunately, also reminds me that I'm now 54 years old, Brent. (laughs) And happy birthday this week, by the way. Uh, to go along with that, but 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 again, in review here, um, a a big win for the Hogs. They were able to uh, uh, survive in overtime, which reminded me, Travis, of of soccer and penalty kicks when we get <laughs> to that point in in overtime. But but again, to your point, you made a minute ago. Shouldn't Sam Pittman? be given a little bit of latitude because they played arguably uh, with with uh, Liberty BYU in Cincinnati, uh, one of the tougher non-conference schedules to have in the nation. Yeah, it's not like they went seven and six and didn't play anybody in the non-con. Really? I mean, they absolutely did. And, you know, some of those wins look pretty good in retrospect. Now, the thing you wonder about with Arkansas, it seems about every other year there's a little bit of a fade late in the season. That wasn't the case in 2021. They actually closed out that season strong and maybe in the process set the bar at kind of an unrealistic level for this season. But the good news is KJ Jefferson will be back at quarterback. Uh, 
So that's certainly an important building block or continuing to build block uh, for Sam Pittman and that staff. Hey, let's talk about Texas Tech and Ole Miss also on Wednesday evening. Boy, not a pretty one for the Rebels who trailed 26 to 7 at the half. Uh, really didn't have an answer for the Texas Tech offense. I don't think that came as a huge surprise. You look at the numbers for Jackson Dart, 361 passing yards. Quinshawn Judkins, 91 rushing yards. Malik Heath leads the way as a receiver with 137. But turnovers continue to plague Jackson Dart at some important areas and important junctions uh, of this latest. I give him a lot of credit. The guy took a beating. If you watch the game, uh, by by the end of the game, you wondered if he could finish. He did do that, but... Again, Texas Tech, for the second year in a row, Ole Miss gets the Big 12 treatment in a bowl game. Travis, uh, concern here, Ole Miss losing five of its last six. And and frankly, they rallied a little bit in the fourth quarter. But, boy, they did not look good, did they, during the course of that game. And I think a couple of things here, Lane – really leaning heavy on the transfer portal. They just signed 12, 12 high school players on National Signing Day. doesn't mean they won't add more in February. But I'm wondering if that is a concern. And, and Travis, the other concern is, look, we all appreciate Lane. Uh, he, he is a gambler. But I'm just wondering at times with the uh, – um, as many times as he goes for it on fourth down, you fake a punt deep in your territory. Does does his tendency to gamble, uh, does it actually hurt his team over the course of the season as much as it helps it? Yeah, you know, what was it, one of six last night, yes. I guess, on fourth yes. down? And I think a lot of it has to do with Lane's comfort level where he works currently. Right. You know, if Lane were the head coach somewhere like in Alabama or Ohio State or one of the true elites or blue bloods, would he take this same approach? Sometimes it feels like he is wasteful in his decision making, yeah. as if he's not concerned about consequences, almost extending to the fact that he knows at Ole Miss, if you win eight, nine games a year, you're going to be fine. So an eight and five record while Ole Miss fans certainly are not happy this morning with the way this season finished, it doesn't put Lane in any great jeopardy. If anything, as we saw during the hiring cycle, uh, he was a guy who still attracts a a decent amount of interest. So um, Ole Miss is interesting, man, because the Mississippi schools back in the day used to really lean on the in-state junior colleges. And this almost feels retro with how Ole Miss Mines the transfer portal. It almost has that Mm -hmm. old school Juco uh, feel to it. And it's worked pretty well, I'd say, for this Ole Miss team. I guess, um, if anything, I was a little surprised in in this one that that Ole Miss offensive line was sort of handled the way it was. Because that started the season as a strength for the Rebels. Didn't really end up that way on Wednesday night. Well, and the defense was good early. And then they really struggled in stopping the... Uh, run game. Uh, now they could that the Alabama and Mississippi State game actually could probably could have been um, uh, a different result uh, in some ways. But 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 again, uh, Travis, people remember now. For instance, South Carolina 
everyone remembers they finished strong, but Ole Miss is just the opposite. And unfortunately, with Lane getting that raise, making what, eight to nine million a year, that Rebel fan base looking for more than eight and five, aren't they? Well, they definitely don't like that Egg Bowl loss, you know, and, and understanding it, it feels almost appropriate in the wake of the passing of Mike Leach mm-hmm. uh, that he was able to get that win over Ole Miss. It's it, it still uh, the finish in general. Uh, will certainly stick in the crawl of Ole Miss fans in the upcoming months. And speaking of a disgruntled fan base, I think Missouri's qualifies after the Tigers' loss to a really solid Wake Forest team. I thought that was a a good matchup in terms of uh, competitiveness and and things like that. But, you know, Brady Cook has to throw it 48 times in a game. I don't really like the chances um, for Missouri, uh, especially with Dom Lovett out of the mix at the receiving core, uh, Luther Burden still in there, but uh, just not enough for the Tigers in that 27 to 17 loss to Wake Forest down in Tampa. Yeah. And Sam Hartman, obviously uh, the guy that everybody wants in the transfer portal, uh, give him credit 23 of 36 for 280 uh, in that game. Uh, by the way, their the Wake receiver Perry Deserves a lot of credit. Caught 11 passes for 116 yards. Still, I think as you look at this season, um, uh, certainly Eli Drinkwith, glad to have that extension and raise. He's got. I break. bet he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Six and seven uh, and get a raise and an extension. Damn. Yeah. That's living right. Yeah, it really is, isn't it, bud? But, but you know, look, you and I both know. You get enough of those in this league, you're not coaching very long, uh, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, but again, Brady Cook, 215 yards. Uh, he's got his cornerback uh, with that. But, but Trav, they, they remind me a little bit of Missouri, a disappointed fan base. Uh, they do have their quarterbacks back, Jackson Dart, um, and also Brady Cook. But – uh, fans and frankly, uh, uh, media looking looking for some substantial improvement from both those schools in Ole Miss, Missouri. Yeah, I think they're on a, a, a parallel, along with Arkansas. You know, and if you're yes. drink with the, the the thing you want negotiated in that new deal is getting that that buyout uh, way up no, there. Either getting the guaranteed money, like we're seeing more and more with coaching contracts, or at least getting that go away money. Where, where you would like it. And you're right about Sam Hartman. Been a lot of talk about him maybe making the move from Wake to Notre Dame. Hell, Notre Dame, as we'll talk about coming up in just a little bit, could probably use Sam Hartman as soon as tomorrow for that really? Bowl matchup really? <laughs> against South Carolina. Finally, before we move into some game previews, the Florida Gators, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, not a surprise there that Oregon State was not only able to get the win over the Gators, uh, before Christmas, back on December the 17th now, that Saturday, uh, the Beavers win their 10th game of the season. Florida really, uh, if you were expecting some miracles from Jack Mil- Miller uh, yeah. at the quarterback position, it did not happen. Uh, a defense missing some key pieces uh, eventually uh, gave way. I thought the defense actually kept Florida around for a while, but offensively just nothing in the way of answers on that side of the ball. No, and that roster is being turned over as of this week. 22 players 
from their roster this year uh, have entered the transfer portal and then six more uh, are turning pro. Um, so there, and, and look, we thought that had uh, the marching orders for this staff would be to turn that uh, roster over. And it has been, now they are getting defensive linemen from Louisville, Caleb Banks in Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, who frankly is not exciting anybody right now. Uh, and also, uh, uh, Toronto Mitchell, uh, the Ohio State linebacker. So, uh, Trav, uh, Gator fans, including Pops, I'm sure, casting casting a, uh, a wary eye toward uh, this Florida staff and what they can do over the next few months in rebuilding this roster. Yeah, the, the patience drum just doesn't resonate like it used to. Uh, there was a time... No, 10 years ago or so, maybe even when you could preach patience among the mm-hmm. fan base. But mm-hmm. with Florida specifically, that's a program that has won too much in the last 30 years or so. Uh, and and understandably, it's a fan base that doesn't really want to hear that, doesn't want to hear two, three, four year project. When you talk about a program that has won, what, three national championships yes. in the last 25 years or so. Uh, so it's not into that as a fan base. And when you have offensive struggles, especially at Florida, that's what really drives that fan base to the point of uh, kind of no return. That's the concern for Billy Napier. It's one thing not to win enough games for a fan base and really to close the season. And that's the common sort of theme here, right? When we talk about some of these teams, Ole Miss struggles down the close. Uh, of the season, uh, Arkansas, sort of the same thing. So uh, it, it's not just one game that, that has gone into this. You know, for a Florida fan, you're still thinking about the Vanderbilt loss sure as much are. as you are the Florida loss or this bowl game loss. So uh, Billy Napier with a lot to figure out. It almost feels like this is going to be year one. After all the roster attrition and changes, Brent, um, it, it almost feels like this is the official start of the Billy Napier era in Gainesville, but there better be some urgency, I, I would say, here in these next 12 months. Uh, well, and, and look, uh, and I'll end with this, um, the urgency, particularly a quarterback, where they feel like they wasted a season with Anthony Richardson. Jack Miller really never was healthy enough to play. Not not sure, again, at this point with Graham Mertz, do they actually go out and get another guy? Uh, now, obviously, they've got some really nice young talent that that is coming in, but, but they're not ready to play. So, uh, I, I, listen, that's a, and another thing that we see across the board with SEC. Uh, if you've got a good, stable quarterback returning, that fan base is a lot happier for the ones who do not. You're right. Yeah, if you've got that sort of figured out, I, I think that's the one thing. Arkansas and maybe even Ole Miss with Dart can hang on to. Yes. Certainly Arkansas can with KJ Jefferson. But if you're Missouri with Brady Cook, if you're Florida, you know, if you're one of these teams where you've got legitimate uncertainty at the quarterback position, uh, that makes for an even more intense, uh, stressful, I would say, offseason. So let's talk about some of the games we've got coming up now. Beginning on Friday, December the 30th, we've talked about this on some previous podcasts. 
really like this Notre Dame South Carolina matchup in Jacksonville at the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. And when you think about SEC related postseason games not involving the New Year's Six or the college football playoff, this one's got to be, for me anyway, at the top of the list. What about you, Brent? Yeah, and I'm going to this game. I, I'm I'm excited about being able to cover it. Now, the problem is you've got so many guys who are out. Uh, Notre Dame, they're tidying Michael Mayer going to the NFL. Drew Pine is transferring at cornerback. Tyler Buckner, who, my goodness, missed 10 games, Trav, with a shoulder injury. He will be starting, so Spencer Rattler, you're better quarterback of the two but at the same time uh the wide receiver josh uh van he is out uh for south carolina the tight ends who who they've got some good ones who have transferred and then marshawn lloyd who we've talked about all year long at running back he's in the portal so those are issues too but but again now notre dame 6-0 6-0 and when running the ball for over 150 yards. That's a stat to keep in mind. But with the excitement from the South Carolina fans uh, and Notre Dame being the brand that they are, uh, I think there's some decent excitement, uh, frankly, uh, around the South and around Jacksonville for this game. Yeah, it should be a, a good crowd uh, at the bank. Uh, on on Friday afternoon for uh, for Notre Dame and South Carolina. You said it about the tight ends, uh, Bell and Stogner. For South Carolina, a combined 441 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns for that duo. But Bell, I believe, is headed to Florida State. He is. And Stogner, welcome to college football in 2022, by the way. Stogner is bouncing back to Oklahoma. Yeah. So he went Oklahoma. Yeah. South Carolina, and now he'll go back to OU. Oh, that's, that's that sums up college football, I think, Brent, as much yeah. as anything else uh, in in this era uh, of, of of the transfer portal and uh, player mobility that they have, player freedom of movement for the uh, for the players in college football. So coming up on Friday night, we get into New Year's Six action as a lot of orange. Down in the Orange Bowl yeah. seems appropriate, doesn't it? Tennessee, the six-ranked balls at ten and two, set to take on Clemson. Talk about going through some quarterback changes. I think that's the primary storyline, right, for both these teams. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Cade Klubnick has kind of risen to be the next guy at Clemson, so that they're glad he is getting um, a, a good bit of action here. Uh, now I still wonder, Trav. My my big um, uh, key for this game is: can Tennessee block that Clemson defensive line? Um, and we're not so pass happy that that doesn't matter. And are they going to be able uh, at this point to protect Joe Milton, who is Anthony Richardson like at 245 pounds? and can run, but he's not very accurate. Uh, Jerry Banks, the linebacker tendency, one of their better defensive players, will not be playing in the game. Trav, I'm leaning toward Clemson in this game. I, I just hmm. uh, I, I just can't help it. I, I, I like that Tennessee system offensively. You got some wide, re- you got some wide receivers like Hyatt out, right? Yes. For, 
Yeah, Tennessee at the wide receiver position. That's a pretty big one. Cedric Tillman, I believe. Yeah. Uh, out. Yeah. Is Darnell Wright the tackle plane, or is he out too? I mean, when you start going around the board as you're outlining for us, Tennessee offense, if you're thinking you're going to see the Tennessee offense you saw against Alabama, no. uh, that's not going to be this group. No. No, absolutely not. And, and, and Trev, again, my, my big question is, uh, uh, with all that said, especially the loss of these Tennessee weapons, can Tennessee block Clemson? Um, yeah, you're right. That uh, that Clemson front and uh, front seven in general uh, can get after it. Joe Milton has been impressive when given the opportunity this mm-hmm. season. He's thrown 54 passes this season. Seven have gone for touchdowns. He's averaging 13.3 yards per attempt and uh, has yet to throw an interception. So those are some nice stats. We'll see what he can do against a opponent not named Vanderbilt. So, you know, that'll that'll be something that you'll want to watch. But he's also averaging uh, 10.3 yards per carry. So with his legs, he's able to get it done as well. I'm with you, though. I got some some concerns about the outside for uh, for Tennessee, where a lot of production isn't set to see the field in that one. So we move into Saturday, New Year's Eve. In that early window, you've got the Music City Bowl with Iowa and Kentucky. I'd like to, I'll be interested in the TV numbers for that one with Alabama and K-State on at the same time. Uh, either way, I think ABC, ESPN will be fine because it's it's televising both those games. But boy, if you're, uh, if you're this Kentucky uh, team, you you kind of like your chances against an Iowa offense that anemic maybe uh, best describes the the approach the, the Hawkeyes take on that side of the ball. Oh, I think anemic probably would be, be, be <laughs> kind with this team. Trev, Trev, could this thing be 10 to yeah. 9? Yeah, oof. Or something, because you don't have Will Levis. You don't have Chris Rodriguez. Um, mm. now, 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 look, t- <coughs> next year – Devin Leary uh, coming in, boy. Um, uh, how about a few Mark Stoops? You've got you've got Will Levis when healthy was one of the, was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and you've got Devin Leary. Uh, so uh, as far as at that position, and this has been a theme so far of our discussion today. Uh, Kentucky, uh, they won't have it in the bowl game. Kentucky looks good at the quarterback position next year, don't they? They do, they do, but man, they could uh, they could use that help on uh, Saturday. But uh, again, as we talked about, this is an Iowa team offensively, not going to run off and hide. So no. uh, if you like if you like some phone booth football and uh, you're more into some sixteen to ten or thirteen <laughs> to ten type of action, uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky and Iowa, they've got you covered there at the Music City Bowl, uh, twelve Eastern on ABC on new year's eve that being saturday of course and then also again in that same time frame you got alabama not lacking star power you know it's interesting you look at some of these teams that have opt-outs at various positions and then here comes alabama in the sugar bowl to take on ninth ranked kansas state with bryce young at quarterback will anderson at outside linebacker jameer gibbs at running back brian branch at the defensive back position so in terms of marquee guys, now this is an Alabama team like everyone else from a depth perspective has felt the impact of the transfer portal here in the last couple of weeks. But again, star power, not something that'll be plaguing the Alabama football team in terms of absences in this one. 
No, and, and as you've written about the Alabama culture here, uh, particularly with uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson uh, providing leadership for, for this game that certainly got a lot better uh, in interest. And there's still a lot of interest on will Bill O'Brien be there uh, and, or would this be his last game? Certainly be pickup for Alabama with the Maryland tight end C.J. Dipre. Uh, they was looking at Alabama uh, and Ohio State, but but Trail, but Bama particularly defensively cannot sleep on K State, can they? Because that there are there are weapons here, and Will Howard at quarterback. And boy, oh boy, uh, Trump, particularly with Deuce Vaughn, he has got to be a marked man, does he not, with that Alabama defense? Has to be. And at about 5'7 and 180 pounds, you wouldn't think he's sort of this workhorse, but you know, he has 271 carries on the season. And yeah, they also get him involved uh, very much as a receiver. 42 catches, so well over 300 touches for Deuce Vaughn during the 2022 season, a fun guy to watch X factor for me for K state will be quarterback Adrian Martinez with will Howard in there now as the starter following a couple of injuries to Martinez during the regular season. Howard's been really good, but the expectation is that Martinez with his athleticism, his ability to get the job done on some design runs, Alabama is having to prepare for him as well. So this is an Alabama defense. The last time we saw it gave up 318 rushing yards to Auburn. That was sort of yes. covered up by the performance of Bryce Young and the offense in that win over the Tigers. But that was a putrid run game performance for the Alabama defense in the Iron Bowl. So, look, Kansas State ain't going to come into this game sort of cowering no. uh, at the thought of going against this Alabama defense. So I've, I've got trust issues with this Alabama team in general. A lot has been made about – how it lost just two games to top 10 teams. Well, the last time I checked, LSU has lost four games now. Mm -hmm. And Tennessee lost two games. So two losses, yes, to at the time top 10 teams who have gone on to lose a combined six games. So, you know, that, that narrative can, can be challenged a little bit, I think, as the season wore on. But, yeah, I mean, it's great for Alabama to have Bryce Young available. It's great to have Will Anderson available. Uh, again, in terms of star power, you feel good about this Alabama team. But uh, what I like about K-State is it's not dependent on stars. Right. You know, if you look at things like senior bowl invites for these two teams, I think Alabama has like nine guys going to the senior bowl. I, I would be shocked if K-State had more than one or two. So it, <laughs> yes. it, it sort of speaks to the, the dynamic involved here when you look at the K-State team and you look at Alabama. Well, and, and, and you've written about this, too. Uh, two things here. Uh, K-State does not beat itself. They are second in the nation among Power 5 teams and fewest turnovers in 2012. But the thing that really reeks uh, with Alabama this year is the number of penalties. And you've got a K-State team, Trav, uh, that – uh, has been one of the most disciplined team, ranking third in 43 yards penalties per game. Trab, uh, Bama's had 43 yards in penalties in one quarter during the in some <laughs> games this year. Yeah, and K-State, as you alluded to, plus 14 in turnover margin this year. Alabama, minus four. 
Cool. So those are the kind of numbers when you look at a line in Vegas and you go, Alabama's favored by just six and a half. Those are the kind of things that our friends in the desert maybe take into consideration yes. a little bit more yes. than the betting public. So just uh, proceed with caution there if you think that number looks a little small next to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Coming up later that night, in the second semifinal in the college football playoff, the Georgia Bulldogs essentially hosting Ohio State in yeah. the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Although Atlanta hasn't always been great to Georgia in the postseason, whether it's been the SEC championship game uh, or the college football playoff. But, boy, a premier matchup of you know two of the elites in college football right now. A second chance opportunity for Ohio State after it was hammered on its home field in the regular season finale against Michigan, whereas Georgia has just been this model of consistency throughout the season for the most part, Brent. Uh, it's had some games. You look at some scores that, that Georgia has had this season, you think, ah, those are kind of tight game. Well, even those really weren't. Uh, it was just methodical sort of uh, taking apart by Georgia that we've grown accustomed to seeing under Kirby Smart, especially here in the last couple of years. So, uh, a chance for C.J. Stroud to atone for some miscues for he and his team and that loss to Michigan. And for Georgia, uh, another chance to move closer to back-to-back national championships. Well, and it's amazing, particularly defensively, with all the players they lost in the NFL last year. Georgia ranked first in the country in run defense, second in scoring defense, in a stat that you and I like a lot. They're eighth in yards per play allowed. So, and that's with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp taking over for Dan Lanning. Uh, but, Trav, I am concerned. Are you a little bit LSU throwing on that secondary of Georgia for 502 passing yards and 30 points in the SEC championship game? And you've got a Ohio State secondary in the last three games, that's allowed 238 yards per game. So, uh, Trav, would it be safe to say uh, whichever secondary has improved the most over the month could make a big difference in this game? I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think Stroud will put up some numbers against this Georgia defense. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is as good a wide receiver as there is in college really football. Is. Maybe maybe was robbed of the uh, Bolitnikoff award. I think Jalen Hyatt got the nod there over Marvin Harrison Jr., but we're talking about a guy with 1,157 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns, uh, and he's not the only guy that uh, Ohio State can get the football to. So there are some scenarios where I can think back to the SEC championship game in 2021 when Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, right? Mm -hmm. uh, John Mechie for a bit of that game were able to really cut up Georgia on the back end and, and hit for explosive plays. The problem with that scenario is that the Alabama defense stepped up in that game. And after watching Ohio State, and especially as you outlined, on the back end against a very average Michigan passing attack, just get overwhelmed. That's where kind of my willingness to think that this could happen for Ohio State runs into a dead end. I just think Georgia, uh, really on both lines of scrimmage, will continue to do what it does. Yes. And 
Uh, I think that Georgia run game and that Georgia offense in general will have a chance in the second half to kind of take control of that game and and get the dogs uh, to the to the college football playoff final. Well, and also keep this in mind to Georgia injuries. They need Lad McConkey back because he's a little bit of a do everything for them, um, leading them in receiving. 51 catches, 675 yards, and offensive tackle Warren McClendon, uh, uh, who is both those guys did not finish the SEC championship game. Uh, Kirby certainly wants those guys back uh, on Saturday night. No doubt about that. And so Georgia and Ohio State, Saturday night, 8 Eastern-ish on ESPN from the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Peach Bowl there in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's talk Monday. That's right. There is bowl action next Monday involving SEC teams. January the 2nd, Mississippi State used to be the Outback Bowl, I guess, down there in Tampa, right? Now it's the ReliaQuest Bowl Mm -hmm. uh, from Tampa and going to be a somber tone uh, without a doubt as Mississippi State makes that trip without its head coach, Mike Leach, as we know. Uh, Mike Leach tragically passing away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Bulldogs will take on a veteran of SEC wars, Brett Bielema, Brent, and the Illinois football team, eight and four, five and four in the Big Ten. So uh, just when Brett thought he was getting out of the the SEC, yeah. here he comes with a chance to to take on an old Western Division foe in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, it, I wonder, Travis. Uh, how big this is going to be for Zach Hornett, uh, obviously in, in his first role, a role that I think he wanted down the line, but certainly not under the circumstances uh, that, that has happened to them. Will Rogers obviously has had a tremendous year. Dylan Johnson in the transfer portal. But I'm just wondering with this, uh, well, could state defense make the difference in this game? Uh, and and you've got to believe in one way or another uh, that there will be some some tremendous motivation on the side of Mississippi State. I'm not a real intangibles guy, but but I do wonder in a in a situation like this, Travis, uh, in the back of their mind. Uh, is there motivation uh, in playing for Mike Leach? How much that will steal them for this game? Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch even in the pregame because you you certainly anticipate uh, you know, Mike Leach being honored, uh, maybe even into the first play of the game mm-hmm. or so. Uh, we saw that with Ole Miss, yeah. Texas Tech, and the Texas Bowl. I think it was Texas Tech. Of course, previous stop for Mike Leach. Uh, didn't end harmoniously there for Mike, but still it was great to see the Red Raiders mm-hmm. uh, kind of get into that air raid formation and uh, take a delay a game, which of course Ole Miss declined. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, on the field, I mean, you got Ra Ra Thomas now as a yeah. Georgia Bulldog. So mm-hmm. in a, an offense like this, uh, with Dylan Johnson moving on as well. Um, you still have Woody Marks at the running back position, so you anticipate him being heavily involved. But uh, some questions for Mississippi State at a couple of key positions with an emphasis on offense for this team. And 
Um, you're right. You wonder emotion, obviously going to be a big part of this for state going into the game, but you wonder if it can use it for four quarters or does it end up becoming a situation where a team that has been through so much emotionally here in the last three or four weeks, uh, eventually feels the effects and, uh, suffers some, some mental and physical fatigue, perhaps from all that. Also on Monday, you're going to have your citrus bowl, the tease it citrus bowl, as it goes by now down in Orlando, Florida, LSU looking to pick up its 10th win of the season takes on Purdue going through a coaching change with Jeff Brom leaving West Lafayette for his alma mater there at Louisville. Interesting news with LSU here in the last day or so in that we anticipated Kayshawn Boutte, Kayshawn Booty being good to go for the Tigers. He had earlier announced that he would come back for another season in Baton Rouge, but Brent sounds like a 180 took place with Kayshawn here in the last couple of days. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, but because he was very careful to say that he was coming back. So uh, at this point, that has changed uh, an LSU team at nine and four. Um, Certainly going to Atlanta was a feather in their cap uh, at this point, uh, averaging 32 points a game, allowing 24. um, Now, Purdue certainly very credible offensively themselves. This is Charlie Jones for Purdue, frankly, one of the better wide receivers. So they're going to have to be careful uh, about this one and can, can Purdue run the ball uh, on LSU, probably not like Devin A. Chain did for 215 yards uh, in this game too. But, um, uh, you, you, I, but I will say this, Trav, uh, I know they struggled. Uh, somewhat in November, but overall, when you look at what LSU started and all that transition for Brian Kelly uh, and then who they've got coming back, uh, especially with Jaden Daniels, most of that offense coming back, I think this team probably feels pretty decently about itself going into the offseason, bold or not. Yeah, I think there was this narrative that was growing, at least up until Booty's decision in the last day or so, that this could be 2019 revisited with Daniels coming back at quarterback and the offense expected to be dynamic between uh, some of the returning skill players. And I still think it'll have a chance to do that with Booty Mm -hmm. moving on. You're still getting Aaron Anderson in from the transfer portal from Alabama as a second year player. So. Uh, and we saw that and we talked about this in the off season. I'm not surprised to see LSU with nine wins going into the bowl game. Yeah. I, I think people were surprised to see LSU beat Alabama. Uh, but there was enough of a roster there. Brian Kelly is a seasoned coach, a winning coach who knew what to do and what needed to be done. And he addressed that successfully. Uh, but to see LSU here at nine wins, to me, is just not a huge surprise. And, and that's not to diminish the job done by Brian Kelly, but it, it's kind of what you expected. It's what I expected. I picked LSU second in the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with four losses, that's kind of the team that, that they've been. But I think what helps LSU in this game, too, is Aiden O'Connell, starting quarterback for Purdue, yes. has opted out. Drew Brees has come in. 
to help out his alma mater and the Boilermakers in the preparation. I, I was wondering if Drew had any eligibility left. Really? Because I, I think they could use him at quarterback uh, uh, in this one against the, the Tigers. I mean, this is a game LSU should win and maybe even yeah. win comfortably. Well, and, and look, if they do uh, to have double-digit wins in Kelly's first year, uh, he takes that momentum with him in recruiting. Uh, and, and look, that – this bunch is always going to have players uh, that they certainly did. They certainly will next year. That's going to be fascinating to be able to see that, but, but they should end the season with a lot of momentum too. They should. And and here is the, here's the impact of a win over Alabama. Even if LSU loses this game and finishes nine and five, I, I, I don't think you'll hear much grumbling from no. LSU fans no. because you beat Alabama. Uh, that that counts almost as two these days yeah. when you, especially LSU, where Nick Saban is involved. But you know, it could be a nine and five season, which on paper doesn't look overly impressive. But one of those nine will have come against the Alabama Crimson Tide. There won't even be a lot of talk about losing to a five and seven Texas A and M team. You know, when you think about it, or giving up fifty to Georgia in the SEC championship game, uh, it'll still be mostly positive because of really one game. Well, and listen, think about this a minute. If FSU wins in their bowl game, they very well may be a top 10 team, Trav. Yeah. So uh, so the thing you're talking about now is they can say, look, uh, uh, FSU ended up being a top 10 team, and we were lining up to kick field goal to beat them. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So there you go. A review of the SEC to date during the 2022-2023 bowl season and a preview of what remains for the league coming up in the next three or four days. Brent, appreciate you playing hurt, my man. I know it wasn't easy. Uh, You kind of been dealing with this crud that has been making the rounds among too many of us. It seems like during the holiday season, but, uh, like the trooper you are. You did not opt out, Brent. Could have opted out. Brent Beard played Never. played in the yeah. game with us. Yeah. Uh, and Trav, before we go, uh, uh, listeners, got, got to know Pop's behavior during Christmas. Was it, was it exemplary or was he a little bit more trouble than he was at Thanksgiving? Well, it was so cold that I set up a space heater, one of those lamp heaters that you see at restaurants that are connected to propane. I put one of those out back and then I took a a solo stove over to his place and had a fire going on the other corner of the deck. So because I brought in heat, he was able to stay out back. You know, as long as we keep him outside and keep him out in the back, just like Thanksgiving, he was benign, the behavior. (laughs) It was, it just depends on what you want out of pops. You know, if you want to see improvement, then you were encouraged. If you want to see pops really turn (laughs) a crowd on its ear or upside down and maybe cause some tension and some issues, you would have been disappointed because for the second straight holiday gathering, uh, pops was, was pretty much, uh, exemplary the the behavior you know <laughs> shocking shocking that's, Two rows. that's a streak but uh anyway brent again appreciate you fighting through it and 
look forward to getting back to, together in a week's time and talking about what happened in these bowl games. Uh, is Georgia advancing to another college football playoff national championship game? We'll have all those answers and we'll be ready to talk about them in a week's time. Get well soon, my friend. I'll do it, but, but happy new year and we'll talk soon. Happy new year to everyone out there. Hope it's a safe and fun stretch for you. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. And we'll join you again right here on Second Helping coming up in the very near future. For Brent, Travis, thanks once again. Until next time, so long, everybody.